Live from the apocalypse, my name is Ricky Bobby, and if you don't like Big Red, then fuck you. <laughs> this is the state of the game. Uh, and and I uh, am probably, you know, in if state of the game was the Fast and Furious franchise, I am Robin. Uh, I, I am Dano, uh, Tyrese's character, and my co-host is the Dominic Toretto of the situation. <laughs> and uh, Dominic, that's Vin Diesel, right? That is definitely Vin okay. Diesel. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. In, in Fast 9, he looks computer-generated entirely. He doesn't look <laughs> like a real person. It's it's incredible. Uh, those movies are incredible. Uh, it wouldn't I've never seen a Fast and like, Furious no movie. People in there? I wouldn't be surprised. Go ahead, what were you saying? I said I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. Oh, yeah. My wife was like, kind of wanted to get into it. I was like, start at five and then go from there. You don't need to see anything. Um, <laughs> it's just saved her a lot of time. Uh, we are very lucky today. We have, uh, we'll start with, you don't want to start with one of the most honest voices in hip hop. One of the first people that I got a chance to talk to was a, a gentleman named Googie, who I love dearly mm. uh, as, a, as an MC. And I was like, when Henry Canyon says, Googie, be my dude, he fucking means it. Like, there's just a sense that if, if Henry Canyon said it, he meant that shit. Um, and I've always just loved uh, your your voice. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being as sincere as you are within this office. Kind words, man. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Uh, fan of the fan of the show, and happy to be meet everyone for the first time. Kinda a little bit around the room, and you know, talk talk Dell a little bit, and hang out on a Wednesday. Yeah. No problem. Introducing Henry Canyons to our eleven percent Canadian listenership. Shout out to Canada. Um, <laughs> we are so and our, we have another guest if it wasn't enough to have Henry Canyons we have a legend in two games like he's Pee Wee Kirkland we're talking about Alaska Adams who on one hand is one of the best guest verses in hip hop history to get <laughs> uh, and on the other hand uh has become a free has freed me as as a podcaster, right? I used to run around here, okay, pretending that I loved Beastie Boys lyrics, you know, <laughs> being like, "Ooh, it's so cool!" They talked about chicken sandwiches and girls they met at the pier. Um, and Alaska was like, "Fuck those guys!" And I was like, "Oh, thank you, thank you." <laughs> Back up. Yeah. Uh, I have a decided uh, anti Beastie Beastie Boys slant. That's yeah. It's very and also, Kay, as you remember, gave us one of our one of my favorite moments in state of the game history. I gave this long, eloquent introduction to like 50 cents, get rich or die trying, building it up, building up Alaska's relationship with it, then was like, Alaska, what do you think about it? And he was like, the shit is whack. <laughs> I do remember that. It was so good. And that was at the intro of the show. It was the first thing. I wonder why everybody thinks I'm a hater. I love it. I love it. Best. 
uh, made me happy. And so we are gathered here today uh, to do our scouting report on Delta Funky Homo Sapien. But I kind of want to, to carve out a few minutes to talk about Alaska's ice skating all over 2023, just leaving his marks. Um, <laughs> two projects, um, Pop Songs of the Apocalypse with Jason Griff, Steel Tip Dove, uh, the uh, structures, analytical structures and flow. I long Structural dynamics of flow. I got to get better at long time. Structural dynamics of flow. Uh, and I'll be honest, when I first heard structural dynamics of flow, I was like, this is dark. This is just Alaska telling me I'm going to die over and over. Um, and I was like, I don't know how much time, how much I come back to this. But the more I come back to it, the more I'm like, this is such a pretty record. It's such a cool sounding record. The flows are so interesting and unique. And there is some really cool happy stuff occasionally that does peek in. It is not what I thought it was in the first listen. Um, it, it, it's a much, I don't know if that's a complimentary intro. Or not. I, I mean, I think it's a good intro. Um, I, it's funny. I, I never think my music is dark, no. but I, it comes across that way. Um, and, you know, I think structural dynamics of flow was definitely me dealing with my own mortality. Like I had a moment where I realized like, I'm closer to being dead than I am to being young, yep. <laughs> which was like sort of changed my perspective on a lot of things. So it's really like a, a reflecting on, on life album um, and sort of appreciating experience, even if it's like a tough experience um, in a lot of ways. So like stuff like people that when people think I'm like criticizing certain things, I'm more like talking about my own experience, like, there's a line where I say like hip hop won't save us. And I'm actually talking about like me and my friends who thought like it was going to be hip hop that saved us yep. as opposed yep. to like, you know, changing the way that we behaved and acted and stuff like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I appreciate the kind words. I don't want to monopolize the time talking about a record that's not a Dell record, but okay. um, yeah, it's um, yeah. I just, I think it's really cool. And you are making the kind of music that, that we didn't have growing up, right? We never got the I'm growing older and don't know how to deal with it album from Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. We never got that from Melly Mel. Like they just never got a chance to make those albums. Yeah, uh, it was it was a young person sport at that time. You just had to like go away. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm and, still waiting for so, Ghostface to do it. It's gonna be the best Ghostface record ever once. Oh <laughs> the Ghostface's Johnny Cash album or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ghostface like doing the uh Rick Rubin records. Yeah, and Johnny Cash for <laughs> Records. That should, that should go hard. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it is a profound thing. I was taught. We were talking to last week uh, a group of kids from Canada. No God, uh, Clown Cat, known as you know, wonderful people. They're, that click is anywhere from seventeen to twenty one. Mm. And I think it was it was after the interview. He hit me up. And he was like, you know what? You have a point. Like. We kind of indirectly got our structural formation from Wrecking Crew. Like, so there are young eyes and ears on what you are doing that are like learning and growing within your experience. And I think that is, that's the coolest thing that I can say about what you're doing. 
cool that's i mean that's that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah the uh okay do you have any did you have, did you hear the the albums the structural dynamics I, of yes i did i i did hear the structural it was in what i did want to ask the, the the one question i wanted to ask was where did you come up with the title for that so um when we were recording dove told me i needed to watch a show called patriot on amazon and um i he was like it's the best show like just watch it i promise you it's the best and i thought like based on the title i was like oh it's gonna be like some dumb like spy shit like pro-war spy shit um and it it really isn't it's like a an, a, a show about existential crises more than anything like told through like you know sort of like covert ops um it's more of like a dark comedy than anything but within that that show the main character has to go in to work in this like sort of piping company, this company that does like massive pipe piping structures to like bring oil. So he could get into Iran to like assassinate somebody. Right. And within that story, there's a book that is like the sort of Bible of that world called the structural dynamics mm -hmm. of flow. So we, we got the title of the record, like just watching the show. I was like, that sounds like an underground hip hop record. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> You know, and Dove was like, we should make that the album title. And I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. So, like, if you listen to the record, all the quotes in the record, except for one, are quotes from that show. Oh, okay. Like, even, like, some of the songs, like, the song Halfway Plus One is, um, like, and while I was writing that whole record, I was just watching that show. And, like, there was just all these little ideas and concepts throughout the show that would spark ideas for rhymes. Or, like, even just, like, you know, a phrasing of something, like... There's like they said something about like a haversack ruse, which I had to look it up, and it's um, a Trojan horse, like essentially like the right. Trojan horse idea. Mm -hmm. So like I start the record with this is a haversack ruse shit that gets you in the mood shit. Um, but like yeah, there's a song called like Halfway Plus One where he's talking about having to climb through all these electrical fences to get to the person he's going to kill, and they're like, isn't that awful? Like how do you do it? And he's like, I know I only have to go halfway plus one more step because. Once you go halfway plus one more step, it's more painful to come back yeah. than it is to go forward. That's, um, that's dope. Yeah. So it's like there's just all these like little dope ideas in there. And like even like the the last song, Breakfast with um Tom, Leslie, and John, like there's this running theme, like this kind of a joke throughout the whole thing where it's like they're always talking about having breakfast because it's an optimistic meal. Like it's the, the <laughs> meal where like everything is still possible. So like I just wanted to write a song around that and I got lucky and I found this weird kinks chorus that a kink song about eating breakfast that just kind of worked. Like I couldn't come up with a hook the day I was going in to record it. I found that and it all worked out, but oh. yeah, the whole record's like sort of built around that show. Oh, shout out on dinner party. Smart man. Oh, thank you, man. Um, I always, uh, I've heard there's like a genre of rap somewhere in my head, you know, when like open mic and, Mm -hmm. rap career like the whole art rap scene yep. back in the early 2010s there was like this whole thing that i thought <clears throat> of a bunch of our peers and myself in this like dinner party rap kind of just yeah. genre which is like the shit you want to play for company where they can momentarily tap into but then momentarily like then like go back into a conversation yeah, yeah. or they're cooking or like doing something. <laughs> so when I heard the song and saw the track, I was like, it resonated big time. That's what's up. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. It, yeah. It, and 
I, the last thing I would say on that is, that we should talk about is, like, I don't think there's a producer more important to 2023 than Dove. Yeah, he's been um, killing it, man. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And it, and <laughs> what's been – the people – People are very smart, and they're smart at listening to music nowadays. So it is being put out there how different all these albums are. Mm -hmm. you know, from No Sage to to you know the one behind me, Andrews to yours, they all sound very different. Uh, Dove has the ability to just kind of hang out with you, feel where you are, and make the music that makes sense with you. Is that does that make sense? I I think yeah. Well, I think the thing that Dove does is he just makes beats nonstop. Like the dude has like thousands of beats and he'll send you a pack with a whole bunch of different stuff. And like when we did it, like I kind of like picked three or four that really hit me. And then once we got that structure, like that sort of initial structure, then there's like pockets that you can move into. Like he understands like the pockets that you have in there and what you need to do to like sort of fill everything out from there. And, um, you know, once we had that initial initial structure in place it was just picking beats out like that like he would just be like check this one check this one check this one and it kind of built the rest out that's awesome yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, he just sent me a, a pack for the new record that's like completely different and completely crazy i'm pretty excited for it it's it's oh, yeah. like a combination of structure and just looseness and, yeah. and a mixture of those two that's really yeah. cool yeah he his his beats are really spacious too which are nice because it gives you yeah. a lot of room to move around and do what you want to do. Oh, that's great. Great yeah. point. Uh, but yeah, we, we are here talking about the mighty down the funky homo sapien. Okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you, how familiar are you with Dell? You, did you know about Dell? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with him in name. Okay. Um, I remember like my first, like my first year of college, I would like I was I was sitting outside the dorm room, and, and there was a kid who was listening to listening to him, and so he played me like I listened to a couple of songs. I was like, oh, this is cool, and then I I, I didn't listen again. But uh, so this was like the first time I've listened to him uh, intentionally in like at least fifteen sixteen years. Mm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it it it's great because he definitely he had that public moment where it was Clint Eastwood and he was on the Gorilla songs and you know, and people knew it got cool. It became cool to be a fan of Dell at a certain point, uh, but that was deep into his career. That was deep. Yep. That was and that going back and listening over the last couple <clears throat> weeks or so, like. Some of it doesn't age very well. Woo! Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> I love this. So let's, before we actually go into timelines or anything like that, I wish you go around and, and share, like, a characteristic of Dell's, good, bad, or whatever, that you glean from listening. Let me, let me start, because I don't want to ask anybody to do anything I'm not doing. Uh, uh, Dell is an MC... When he's going downhill with his flow, he will fill in his verse with some nonsense. Like, you will catch it. There will be some oogie-boogie, roll-de-doobie nonsense in the middle of the... And you're... So, 
that might take you out of it if you're listening too hard <laughs> and you're just like oh what was that actually like uh, the the sounds of the words seem like they mean more than the meanings at times mm -hmm. I, I think he's really adventurous with his word choices mm -hmm. like to, to your point like and it's not always for the benefit of the song but I think it's it's kind of cool the way like he uses language. Um, that's something that always I, I always appreciate about Tell. I mean, he's the only person in the history of rap who could rhyme something like "tiddly winks" and if your titties is pink. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like and pull yeah. it off in a smooth fashion. Yeah, right. He wasn't exactly. saying yeah. it in a goofy way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but the problem like as he got further into his career he was just saying random goofy shit like that that was in like a structured song with like meaning into it yeah and then you get into like some stuff you're like you're just freestyling now you're not even like putting a song together yeah the, demos, yep. the idea of uh i like the phrase of like flowing downhill because mm -hmm. one of the things for me that kind of blends into the use of language is his ability to flip the scheme and how he does it towards like he uses enjambment and then he also like he flips the scheme mid phrase a lot of the time mm -hmm. and then brings it back in the following middle of the phrase to then start a new rhyme scheme at the end of that mm -hmm. second phrase yeah um and it's just even now but definitely at the time just an unorthodox way to carry the rhythm of along to the beat of what's happening mm -hmm. and in addition he's got this really syrupy that's like allows him to blend and use the melodic tones of his voice when he's flipping those schemes that like yeah there are times that like that shit made no sense but it, it sounded it sounded all right yeah because he, could, because he can pull it off in that way but um yeah, I I agree with some of the nonsensical uh, shit later on for sure. You you, Alaska, you ready for the first sports metaphor? Sure. <laughs> All right, we're going nineteen eighties boxing. Alexis okay. yes, Aaron the Hawk Pryor. Okay? I, I watched that fight with my dad. Aaron the Hawk Pryor was on a lot of drugs. Anybody watching that could see. Yeah, uh, but Alexis Aguayo was asked by his son later. Why would why'd you keep losing to, to Aaron Pryor, Daddy? He said, son, I couldn't even see where those punches were coming. Mm. The angles that he was using, like you couldn't even see where they were coming. Yeah. Uh, that's Dell's rhyming. Certainly when it hits no need for alarm, like the words are rhyming all over you. You can't yeah. see it's an avalanche. Um, and there are words you just, weren't used to hear uh, yeah so that's that's my first sports and mm. and it's it's a good one i'm i'm happy that you went uh out, outside of the box with that one that yeah. landed that landed yeah. yes much, i don't even like know a, who uh, those Aaron guys Pryor are punch. i don't yeah. even know those guys <laughs> oh crazy fights uh yeah. but yeah it's it with um yeah but that's that's good stuff do you, Kay? Did you hear anything interesting about Dell that that struck you when you were when you were doing this research? Uh, I mean, like listening to the project. So I mean, when I listened back 
I think it was like 05, 06. I'd only heard a couple songs, but listening to the projects, uh, it was interesting because you're right. I, I, I don't think a lot of it, it doesn't age well. And I think it is representative of the times that it was in. But, you know, what, what, I, what I'd say and what I gathered from him is he's got, he's well-intentioned. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I think some of his songs were like, he didn't, the execution for me personally isn't necessarily there. But the, the intention, I, I, you know, I, I give him credit for, for his intention. And I, and I think that his heart was in the, the right place whenever, like his sincerity, I guess is the best way to say it. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Uh, one of the defining characteristics that I think probably attracted me and maybe Alaska to uh, Dell was that he was, he wasn't afraid to talk about regular situations. Mm -hmm. He wasn't afraid to talk about people's body odor or roommates who didn't pay money to stay there. He didn't, he didn't have to live in the clouds or float over you. In the 90s, there were a lot of like Rambo MCs that were just running through people in their tracks, you know, uh, murdering a lot of people fictionally. And Dell was not, he was not that guy. Mm -hmm. And he did I mean, it in a funny way. Yep. Yeah. Like he's mad funny, even though, you know, some of the situations are super common. Like if you must, Oh, it's a banger, and it's hilarious still. Um, yep. And yep. It, I was listening to it in the car, and I picked up my brother, and it like he he walked in while it was halfway, and he was like, "Run it back, run it back," and I was like, "Where, you know, where do you know this?" He was like, "Yo, this was on the Tony Hawk Pro Skater." So, yeah. Yep, Which, yep. you know, he crossed over be into a lot of different sects within the genre because of how funky and himself he was, you know? So, oh. but yeah, I, I, I think that being able to talk about common things, but add that sense of humor to it, yeah. like made him stand out in that regard too. And I would say it's funny that you mentioned Tony Hawk because I, I forgot which guest specifically. There was a guest we've spoken with recently who talked about the importance of those Tony Hawk's Tony Hawk series yeah, in, yeah, in terms yeah. of his musical development. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. And yeah. so now I can see, like, I can see why the appeal of, uh, you know, Dell. I can see how that appeal would stretch into like the skateboarding world you know and yeah. all that that world entails absolutely yeah i mean it was it was sort of a building on the skate videos from back in the day because a lot of hyro made a lot of bones in the in the skate video world yep yeah. yep no it, it makes sense and but the, to go along the timeline here <clears throat> the, he was he was signed to electra and Ice Cube ran his first album. Uh, I wish my brother George was here, uh, which is it. It's probably still a little bit ahead of its time. Like that album is still pretty out there, um, you know. And 
my only complaint about the album, Alaska, yes, is that Ice Cube doesn't seem as excited about the music as he should be. I don't. I couldn't tell if that was intentional because they were trying to play the weirdo angle up. Um, I always thought. I mean, I I think having spoke with like Tajay and stuff, like I think as as it moved forward, like Ice Cube wasn't as involved in it as he originally thought he was going to be, because Dell had his vision and they had their vision, and you know Dell's yeah. vision won. Um, but I I still appreciate like. Ice Cube at the end on Little Crumb Snatcher being like he's on that handkerchief hat wearing shit. Like, right, I don't know right. like that perfectly described Dell to me. Like just a dude with like a bandana on his head. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but that that record to me is still my favorite Dell record. Um it was a real important record in my life. Like it's the one that made me want to rhyme. The uh, wacky world of mass transit was just like this is perfect. Like it, it was sort of like it was the first time I felt like regular dudes could just rap. Mm. Like you didn't have to be a superhero. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the rhyme schemes are a lot simpler. On I wish my brother George was here. Yeah, right. Uh, and they're a lot more stripped down. That's what struck me first. I was like, oh shit! Like this world to no need for alarms, a totally different world. Yeah. yeah uh, no. To me, wish my brother George was here has the most identifiable song for hip-hop heads, mm -hmm. right? I I know people that I can go up to, and if anybody says Dabalina in any way, we yeah. know yeah. what that is, right? Mr. Dabalina. We, like, Mr. that Bob is Dabalina. into our brain. Yeah. Um, you know, pissing on your steps. Pissing on your steps. Yeah. We used to listen yeah. to that shit. Oh, All the time. Like, it was... Sunny Meadows was just yeah, wild. The songs on that are just songs like i used to say that Nas's claim to fame like his people would be like he doesn't have great great albums he has some bad albums Nas has songs that are more important than people's albums mm -hmm. and that's his strength right and that is the strength of i wish my brother george was here is like some of those songs are better than most people's albums yeah um, yeah it, it it's also a real tight 48 minutes like it mm -hmm they didn't give him the space to sort of meander where you got a 114 minute Dell record that I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's necessary for anybody, but I think as, as sort of, I don't want to say undisciplined, but as like free spirited as Dell is like, that could be dangerous. Like after a while, you're just like, all right, I don't need to listen to <laughs> at least for me. Like I kind of stopped listening to no need for alarm because it got to a point where it was like, I'm only on song nine and there's still another eight songs left. And I've been listening for 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. You know, yep. 54 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no need for alarm. Is it only 54 minutes? Shit. Yep. And it I felt think longer. Both, and, both I, and I love the record, but it, it feels longer when I listen to it now. Both, both sides of the brain is 73 minutes. Oof. 7342. And 3030s long too. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty thirty is. And is, I don't know if we're if that's in the conversation here. That's in the conversation for sure. But um, like, yeah, thirty thirty is is enormous. I don't even know how long that is. Uh, it's, it's it's really long. They they also added a, there's some remixes that they put in towards the second half of the record. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Extras yeah. content. Yeah. yeah. It's an hour and 18 is what it says. The, yeah, the that's, that's, that's long. That's long. But yeah, it, it's, yeah, without restraints, Dell goes, goes off the rails. I think it's fair to say. Um, and that's like the comparison I had uh, was Redman, you know, mm. uh, Redman, a very naturally talented, incredible MC, but without the proper guidance of someone like Eric Sermon is, is probably not giving you a great album. I, I think, I think that depends. Cause like, even though Eric Sermon supposedly produced what the album, he just left Redman alone to make the record himself. Right, 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 right. So, you know, it's, I guess there's probably guidance at the end, like maybe we don't need this song or that song. Mm. But I, I think, I take your point to the fact where like, he got to the point where he was the sole creative voice in his project. Mm. It, could, it could kind of become untethered. Yep. Yep. Which is why, and we'll get to 3030, but I have I have a hard time thinking of that as a Dell record. To me, Dan, that's Dan the Automator's record. Uh, I mean, the I, production has a huge, plays a huge, 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 huge role. But I mean, talking about the production in Brother George and then moving to Alon, like, they're at least brother george very jazzy very breakbeat very like gives me a west coast feeling right off the bat yep <clears throat> and then no need for for alarm there's a fair amount of domino on there isn't there like a yeah. fair amount of domino and uh yep. boogeyman right yep domino and casual Casual yeah. bad one. And he did a bunch too. Does did Dell self-produced a bunch of it as well? Yeah, four of the songs are, are Dell. I think the last one is A plus. So yeah. That was that record is really the coming together of Hyro, isn't it? Like um the no need for alarm. So yeah. It's uh yeah, but I mean no need for alarm was my album because mm -hmm. that was um, I get, and it is, as I was telling, I was texting Alaska that it's the birth of the skateboard rap, right? Because it carries a lot of those values. There's dark, dark humor, uh, weird word usage, but it's, it's not cute. It's dusty. It's grimy. Uh, it's jagged. Um, but it's not over the top hardcore either. Like, it hits this kind of middle ground that skaters yeah. like to exist in. Yeah. I, I would say it's almost like a punk record. Yeah. In some ways, like, you know, like a freeform punk record where it's it's in a hip-hop shell, but it's like, even sonically, it didn't really sound like anything else out at the time. To me, I don't know. Like, I thought that the, the way, like, the bass lines rumble a lot more than thump. Right. You know, like it, there's something about it that has a distinctive sound that separates it from at least the hip hop of the time. Like even even within Hyro, like Souls of Mischief record came out at the same time. And yep. that's that's like a strictly like boom bap record. Like and this one doesn't feel like that to me. That's right. No, it doesn't. It feels 
like the dark side of West Coast hip hop. It feels more like the first one, which my brother George was here, feels like production wise uh, in that grouping of funk gangster rap album, fu funk West Coast albums, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Above the Law, you know, the hit before Chronic, Chronic, this album, all kind of that funk signature. Uh, yeah. Funk bass lines that wave the flag for it. Uh, a great, the great Bootsy bass line uh, that I love so much. But it has, then you go to this album, which feels more like the Mugs end of West Coast. Mm. Uh, maybe uh, a little dirtier. Yeah, uh, which which I love too. Um, yeah, and it was this is a really important. Album. If you think about it, Kay, from the skater's perspective, I'm going to go out there with my skateboard for an hour. I'm going to skin my knee four times. I don't want to be listening to LL Cool J hit on someone else's girlfriend. Yeah, you know? I mean the the first the first album. Listen to it. I, I did hear a lot of Ice Cube in it. Mm. And I, I, it's funny because I didn't, I didn't know that he was Ice Cube's cousin. He's an Ice Cube's yep. cousin. Apparently. Yeah. It, it almost sounded like him. I don't want to say doing an Ice Cube impression, but rapping about his content in like an Ice Cube-like way. I guess if that makes sense. It, and it, yeah, uh, it was Ice Cube presents Dell. Yeah. yeah. You know? But the, yeah. The, I see what you're saying, like especially with the storytelling, like it's a very similar style of storytelling to like what Cube does. Yeah. And you, you you can hear the influence. I'm not saying he's trying to emulate him. That's not what I mean. Yeah, but right. I you you can hear how I I can hear a lot of Ice Cube's DNA in in, in that in that record, in that album, I yeah. should say. And and I, I think the 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 second album was more. Uh, I, I think he was like, okay, like I need to settle down a little bit. Like I need to focus. It, it felt more focused to me. That's the best way to say. It. And it felt it felt like he had kind of, kind of figured out a direction that he wanted to go in, and was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this way. Yep. Like it felt like he's a little bit more comfortable in his skin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And his vocal tone too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like he definitely took it down a notch in terms of like his pitch and his tone, and it's yeah. it's just richer. It sounds beefier, and he leaned more into what Alaska was saying, like his his word choice and stretching those boundaries of like what rappers were rapping, not even yeah. about, but just how they were rapping. Yeah. Uh, I think you could probably find some like parallels to like um, Buckshot Shorty from Black Moon. Like half of that record is him rapping one way and then he got to know Smith and Wesson and those guys and his style switched. And I, I mean, I know like Dell was cool with the rest of Hyro. Like they came up together. They were like in all the videos, but it seems like they started forming a bigger identity as a crew yep. as opposed to like him being a solo artist. He became... Like the, the influence of the other artists are starting to show on him as well. I think like casual and souls, like all of that starting to show in his style as well. And, and the confidence of that, like when you're young and you have a crew that you're rolling with and you all feel like we're killing it, like mm -hmm. you're going to grow as, as an artist in that direction. 
It's a great mm. point. Yeah, to, Henry, I was thinking about not just how his his voice sounds like more, the more there's more presence in his voice, but be like I was just thinking of how how his voice starts to change during the songs, during his deliveries in meaningful ways. I was thinking about how like the chorus of Boo Boo Heads and just how the tone of his voice, like the emotions in his voice changes, you know, uh, and it gets more intense as the chorus kind of goes along. Uh, it's just such a cool thing. People really weren't adjusting their voice like that throughout the song a lot in 1993. Right. I mean, and I, I love that beat. Yep. That yep. beat is such a banger. When I was talking about some of the songs that don't age well, in terms of like the content of that song and what he's talking about, not really in the realm of what rap is doing in the same way these days, but it's not as... There's some things about it that are like kind of on the J. Rue end of things where he talks about women in a really like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. misogynist using as a user yep yep um but that beat is so so fat um it hits so hard i mean it's funny because <clears throat> i to come off what alaska was saying in terms of building your like your confidence and bravado and styles blending being surrounded by a crew but not only a crew like the guys in this crew are unbelievable casual oh, yeah. best rap like he's an amazing rapper yeah. like a rapping rapper who can out rap anyone right um i came to delf listening to his solo albums through through high road mm. right because i was late i i came to it a little later yeah. and the role Dell plays in the group is almost not like he's the star as if he's the best rapper, but that he's like the most eccentric personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and they kind of lean into it, you know, when I think it was A plus, like called him the granddaddy of Hiro and what, like on third eye. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like he had this persona excuse me, and like, just like bravado that they fed into. Um, so I wanted to chime in about that because that's how I then went to listening to No Need for Alarm, then back even further. Like, I didn't get to Brother George till I was in college, definitely at least 10 years after the record was out. Mm. So. Yep. I've told Alaska, I've told Kay this story before, but like I saw Dell live mm -hmm. and back, I, I, what I did was my, my move at the shows was always to get close enough where I could yell freestyle and put pressure on the performer to freestyle. Right. <laughs> uh, that was always my move. And Dell was the, he was the performer I saw who looked the most like he was going to die. Mm -hmm. he like he was, in very bad shape and you know it looked like there was substance abuse you looked out of it right yeah i yelled freestyle he said right on and he did nine minutes off the top of his head wow i was just like fuck yeah uh, i mean he was always the like if you 
if you were part of that crew, you had a freestyle and freestyle at a high level. Yep. Yeah. He was always just a, just a natural, a complete natural with it. And er, by this time, 93, 94, he's the method man of this crew. Like he is Mm -hmm. clearly like he has star power, even if, even if people haven't figured out how to harness it. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah. And I, by the way, in terms of no need for alarm, I think wrong place is one of my favorite story times, story songs of all time. Mm. Yeah, love that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I still remember when that first video for Catch a Bad One came on. Mm. Like, it was mind-blowing. Just like, because it was just him in the booth. Like, that was the right. video. There's nothing else. Just him in the booth, like, darkly lit room. You see, like, the rest of Hyro just, like, in the window of the booth, like, going wild. And he's just killing it for, was like, four minutes. And that, that was the whole video. It was nothing, like, no frills at all. And it just, I, I, I still remember exactly where I was when I saw that video. Like, like this crew to me is that important. Like yep. all of their videos, I remember where I was when I saw them for the first time. Mm. And Henry was talking about the crew. So to get, to go overview on that. Okay. We were used to crews, rap crews that were like, and, and I don't want to pick on anybody, but you remember the Mob Ma, Ma Deeps crew? Mm-hmm. We'd have twin and you would have like uh yeah, you'd have people, bars and hooks, you know, you'd have people kind of in and around, but they you they were just not on the level of yeah. havoc and prodigy, you know, big noid, shout out big noid, not really on the on the level. Uh there were like tiers within the crew. Uh we were used to that. Yeah. But there were like there were three crews where it was like a dizzying amount of talent. At the same time, and it was Wu, and it was Hyro, and probably you know uh, we didn't know it till later, but Dungeon Fan. Yeah, Boot Camp too was pretty talented at that. Yeah, point. Boot Camp, Boot Camp was was deep. Was yeah, that. and so we were for the first time looking at crews like, damn, I don't even know who my favorite is. You know, mm. and, and those like, records were so good. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Third Eye Vision and Full Circle, they're both great records. Mm-hmm. And they really, they really, I think by Full Circle, but even in Third Eye, like their chemistry off each other, the way they pick up after each other. And then like, it was when I was re- like listening, Dell's the one doing not most, but he's doing a fair number of the hooks. Yep, yep, yep. And I don't think that's by coincidence. You know, I think like he has that voice that brings people's attention in. And I also think it's like in a register that allows the other voices to sound good. Like when you have Tajay and Opio coming up and that higher register, he allows those things to connect, I think, because of how much persona he has. Um but yeah, I was noticing. I was like, "Oh, Dell is all over the hooks on all these, on a lot of these songs." Yeah, it's a method man position for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, can I posit something about that? And it's something that you and I talked about a little bit, Dan. Yep. But once Casual got really established as mm. like the dude that just like rip shit stream of consciousness, do you think that Dell's natural position was to step back a little bit and maybe? like sort of 
focus more on hooks because like he's not keeping up with casual at that point as a rapper. And, you know, and it's not not to like discount the contribution, like being able to have good hooks is an important contribution. Of course. Yeah. But yeah. um it, it feels like there's like a, a redundancy in the market at that point. I agree. And I would that say oh, sorry, you go. No, no, please. Nobody's gonna say there's there's something that somebody was saying about Beanie Siegel. They said you can't kill Beanie Siegel on a track because his voice is so emphatic that he sounds mm -hmm. like he won everything, right? <laughs> a casual is an incredible MC, one of my absolute favorite MCs, but his voice is not even fair. It's yeah, not yeah. even fair. He's got like all the cool elements of Southern rap in his voice somehow, and all the cool elements of West Coast rap too. And so not only is he like, does he become a better writer or a better rapper than Dell on a pure like written level? Like his performance, his voice becomes the voice. Speaking of voices, I always was a huge Pep Love guy too. Yeah. Uh, like his out of balance. Yeah. So pristine. Yep. His vocal quality is so clear. And I, I would say emphatic as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And when it comes to casual, like, he's out-rapping everyone, and it all makes perfect sense. Yes. That's yeah. kind of the things about, like, Dell. Like, he can rap his ass off, but not all of it makes, all, yeah. not all of it makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, you yeah. lose some voice because you're like, it sounded dope. Yeah. But I'm not like... Wow, that was a crazy story, or that was a crazy line. Um, right. So yeah, I but that I mean those records are, and that's what got me into Dell in the first place was yeah. listening to him on Third Eye Vision and then Full Circle. Um, yep. No, it's and Taj. Everybody else has their position, right? Like, yeah, Tajay is this like kind of relentless speed bag flow to it uh which is it's just all power punches coming at a really high volume um he has a buzzsaw yeah. of a voice too like yes. there's like like a revving to it yep and then a plus has this kind of goofy jaunt of a voice that really is great uh and fun and pep love pep love to me always sounded like the kind of the good angel on your shoulder Mm -hmm. Like that's his voice to me. It's very like, like of course his album's called Ascension, right? Like that's his, that's his voice. Um, and so the mixture of voices fit perfectly together. And it's another point that we need to talk about. Okay, we're talking about Third Eye Vision, and you know the 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 albums that the, the that Hieroglyphics as a label put out. You won't find anything like them because. Label compilations, like you remember when Mellow Music put out that compilation, they were like, here's the Kelly Chris song. Here's the, you know, here's the song with, with Salsa. That's how label compilations are. They break into, here's this mini group, here's this mini group, here's this mini group. And Hyrule were like the only label where they could put out, this is a label compilation, but it sounds like a group, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> And it was unbelievable. Like, 
they Dell fits perfectly in the mix of those albums, but it also is doing his own solo thing. Um, and and they all break off into their like solo and mini groups, and it all it, it fits every kind of way. Yeah, and it's a powerful crew. There's there's no weak weak elements to it at all. Right. Yeah. And they're right. in-house producers too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like a, what, a plus was a beast. Yeah. A plus Domino's a beast. And it's just sort of what they did from like a business standpoint is pretty amazing. Um, you know, like you there's always like the storied history of like sort of what Riza did with Wu Tang, like the five year plan, but and these guys are going on like 30 years. And they're still like an independent, successful independent label where they, you know, they, they've cornered a certain market. They've owned their city still. I mean, there's like Hyro Day every year in Oakland. It's crazy. Like, you know, it's wild. It's dope as hell. Yep. Yeah. And, and they've, they've grown into like, they don't seem like they've grown into damaged individuals, which is something that you unfortunately see with a lot of, a lot of artists, um, you know, the bumps and bruises or whatever of living that lifestyle sort of take their toll on you. And you do see it a little bit with Dell, like with the addiction issues um, and some of, you know, the other issues that he's been kind of public about, but they've created a model for having a successful long career that a model that never existed before them. Yeah. What do, you th what do you think that what do you think they did that was so unique? I think they went independent before a lot of people went independent. Um, you know, they had they had their early success with the the labels, and then none of their follow up albums really did that much. I think they all kind of got dropped from their labels, and they just took it upon themselves. Like they kind of saw where the industry was going before other people did. At least other people on the the sort of major label system. So they were able to take the the sort of audience that they built up already, the sort of infrastructure that they built up through the use of the in, the major labels, and then took it upon themselves. Like they knew the distribution networks. They didn't have to worry about like selling necessarily out of their trunk. They were able to just like sort of take this, this product that they had, put it together and take ownership of it. Um, and I, I just think they got to it before anybody else did, you know, at least sort of on that like major label level. Like, I think like, you know, if like the guys from Wu-Tang were like, you know, fuck all this major label shit, let's come out and just do an album on our own, like without RZA or whatever it is. Like, you know, they're still like, it still seems like Ghostface is trying to do a major label record all the time. Right. You know, and, and they don't seem happy about it. They're chasing somebody else's dream as opposed to chasing their own dream. Mm. And weren't they, didn't they tour like crazy? Yeah, relentlessly. For like 10 plus years at the mm -hmm. beginning. Like did, they were, I hear stories of like whenever I'm listening to a podcast and people, they were on all kinds of people's tours. They just toured all over the, yeah. like they went and they went far too. They were big in Japan. They went everywhere. Yeah. Um, and also, like not only business wise, but business wise in the scope of the of the music that they're making. Yeah, like it's an acquired. It's not 
it's it's undeniably dope but it you need that kind of appreciation for that kind of sound mm-hmm. right not like it's not it's not it's not a fastball right down the middle no no it's it's not that kind of like oh of course you're gonna love this there's things you're not gonna love but like the nuances of that is what makes it interesting you know yeah um like like i kind of wonder if they they realize that instead of like forcing their music onto the masses like they needed to let people who like their music come to them right like that the music they were making wasn't sustainable in a major label system right right we're going to we're going to set up our own kiosk in the middle of this game mm-hmm. and come to us for this yeah uh, and their calling card i think was there's no wasted space no like i i love you know i, I was a huge rhyme sayers person but it was bloated i remember going to rhyme sayers entertainment.com going through the artist thing and being like this person and this i've i've never seen them on these tours like there was too many people for it to sustain mm-hmm. uh like and Hyrule was like nope it's us yeah yeah they're, no they're, they're not a label they're a crew yeah yeah yep. i always thought of it that way yeah and, and i think they all came up together too And I think that coming from the Bay Area, as opposed to LA, yeah, completely different city, complete or you know, part of California, completely different. Honestly, a lot of the slang is different. There's yeah. like immense pride in being from the Bay Area, and who else was from the Bay Area? Yeah, I mean, I mean, E40. E forty, yeah, 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 yeah. and yep. too, short. too short, yeah, yep. But like at that time, and then these guys, especially like you said, casuals eating people up yeah, at yep. all these battles, all these ciphers. Like it was very organic in the sense of like, we know we're dope. People mm-hmm. will come to us for it. Yeah. So, yep. Building yeah. off what you you were just talking about, Henry, with with the Bay Area. And like the artists that you mentioned, like there is an independent streak out there too, which mm-hmm. isn't there in LA or in New York. Like they're, they're like entertainment industries built out there. So like that might've helped them like being comfortable enough to be like, we've seen all these other people be independent. We could do it too. Yeah. 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 Once too short goes from, you know, the guy making tapes for gangsters yeah. to, you know, someone on the radio. Right, someone yeah. everybody knows, someone people in the Senate are arguing over, and people know that it's real. Right, yeah. you do it, uh, and you can you can't unring that bell. You yeah. know, uh, to the point about A plus, I I think of A plus as the sound of the label. I don't know if that's appropriate. Like I know Domino did a lot, but A plus as a producer has very like kind of efficient sound, uh, where 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 it knocks. Uh, but it's very, it's very much. He makes beats for MCs to sound yeah. good. Yeah. He he kind of has that MC vibe. Like to me, he's similar to like Inspector Deck and Strange Wonder. Like yeah. I, I keep going back to other crews, but like where he's he's the rapper's rapper in the crew. 
so it would make sense like that his production kind of builds for that type of of movement mm -hmm. that makes sense i mean 93 till has got to be one of the most famous beats of all time <sighs> yeah yeah i would say that and shook once yep. those yeah. are like probably some of the most famous instrumentals you hear at any hip-hop event ever yep. yeah yep i mean I, I wore my 93 till infinity sweatshirt to work one day and this like 23 year old kid who just started working for us i was like there's no way this person knows who hyro is right. like you know it was it wasn't even something that i thought about and he was like i love that song i was like wow okay like you know he he was so just like never talked hip-hop music before like didn't strike me as the type of person that listened to hip-hop mm -hmm. music and was like that that beat is amazing to your point yeah. <laughs> like and those things transcend you know yeah. like like for instance uh, too short is still making serious money yep yep off yep. of the whistle yeah and like i was working so where i used to work in la it was like a a bar music venue but it was kind of private mm -hmm. a lot of the time and the owners were in the music business and a lot i saw a lot of people come through there over the over my time there but we had a private event and you know there are heads there and they're probably like you know mid 30s to 50s mm -hmm. and two short comes on wow and he and he did blow the whistle and literally the room's 200 cap small yep amazing sound dude it was fucking insane people lost their shit like they really lost their shit they understood like wow plus it wasn't that long ago it was probably like six years ago so he was like not he was you know in the latter half of his career obviously um but yeah i mean to your point some of these things just stick around they stick around yeah no and, and that first run of dell uh when you get like Wish my brother George was here. No need for alarm. Future development, which is one of his very best albums. Like, yeah, that's a really good record. If you <clears throat> if you want to go back, future development, it's unbelievable. It has some of his some of his best beats. Title tracks crazy. It, it it the songs have meanings and themes behind them. It's like he's really trying to make the label make the major label thing work. Uh, he was putting it all in, and so that first three albums is really there's so much impact that 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 happened on hip hop because of those albums. Yeah, for years and years to come, because okay, what it, what it's hard for people to maybe wrap their mind around is that we listened to albums for years and years and years as if they were new releases in the 90s because we didn't have as many releases. There wasn't as much independent stuff. So mm. listen to Only Built for Cuban Links for three years as if it was new. You know? Yeah. So the next album really took you over. Uh, so we spent, we spent years living on these Dell albums that were old. You know? Uh, I was bumping these these first three Dell albums all through my high school. I graduated in 99. You know, 
Uh, you know, we just, we lived in these albums. So, and these albums, like, they give you space to live in them. You know, you can, mm. you can stay there and enjoy it. Um, That's a good way to say it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That's a good way to say it. They give you space to live in them. I, I like that. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I mean, but after those three albums, you hit, you hit a phase where Dell has kind of become an official star. Uh, he says it on not Third Eye Vision, but the other the other Hyrule album, the brown one, Full Circle. Mm -hmm. yeah. He said it's something like, man, to over 10 years in the game, and I'm, you know, I'm like he starts to kind of feel his oats a little bit. And I don't think he really knew how to pivot. I don't think he was ever comfortable in the method man position of Hyrule. Yeah. Well, I also feel like when I listened to Dell, like he he was like the young kid who was super talented and was able to ride that for a long time until everybody caught up to him and then passed him. And he never was able to to sort of change beyond that momentum of just like the young talented kid. Um and even though he's doing the same thing that got him there, everybody else has passed him now and they're doing newer and better things and his shit now suddenly sounds old. Okay, this is this is his Ricky Williams theory. Yes. <laughs> that, uh, that, that Dell is like Ricky Williams, uh, Miami Dolphins running back, yep. who was one of the best, uh, killing it, you know, kind of putting the team on his back and then wore himself out, walked away, you know, disappeared for a while, came back and wasn't really the same. Just wanted to smoke weed, and they wouldn't right. let him. And they wouldn't let him. Yeah, they're, they're like, no, you're you're out of here. Yeah. And he's like, I just wanted to smoke time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Both ahead of their time. Yeah. Uh, and it was so, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's kind of the case, though. Just an incredible raw natural talent, incredible abilities, uh, especially by the time you get to future development, I mean, this is just, it's just astronomical. Um, but then, you know, after both sides of the brain, which to me is kind of when it all starts to go downhill a little bit. Yeah. It's a very long, long album. And uh, I love the first song. Uh, it, it's so good. But... After the Where first, does the Slick Rick multi track rapping like the back and forth track? Yeah, time is too expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love that. Um, if you must is great, but man, the you know, Alaska noted the difference between casual and Dell on jaw gymnastics is it sounds like JV varsity. It's different. Yeah, it's different. yeah no, it really does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Casual, casual had a it's way. It's Allen to... Iverson crossing up Michael Jordan. Right, mm. right, right. Casual had a way of sticking phrases, right, like a battle, like a battle MC would, um, and he could just plant that phrase in the ground like a flag, and and it was over, you know. Yeah. And Dell was never doing that. He wasn't that. It was about moving slickly to the next phrase, uh, which is why a lot of these. Sometimes 
I, I can't remember a lot of verses, phrases, or lines that Dell says on both sides. Of it. It, it starts to feel like a kind of a. It's it's one of those that that as Henry was saying, aged poorly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was the record you were thinking of when you said it aged poorly. There, but there's I, a lot of stuff that aged poorly. Yeah, there's some. The, I, I would say overall, there's there's some stuff. I mean, definitely on there. Also, like I, I don't love a lot of the production on that album. Yeah, yep. agreed. Um, and there's a lot to go through too. Um, yeah, definitely that was one that yeah. didn't age well for me either. Um, yeah, it's got a big, like, boring middle section from like style police all the way to like phony franchise that you just kind of don't need in your life. Um, uh, yeah, which is very, this is very, that's how albums were back then. Yeah, so what is like hearing what you guys are saying what what is something that artists can take away like learn from uh dell's experience and and like this section of his discography like what would be a lesson that you you if you were had to impart on another artist that you would tell them it's hmm. a good question i i do think part of it is era specific Right, because mm -hmm. he was in the major label system, you had to keep dropping shit, contractually obligated, but it was also the error of filling up the CD. Mm. Yep. Right, so you had to have seventy-three minutes of music, or yep. people felt ripped off. Mm. Um, so, I, I think that that makes it a little difficult, but it could also be like taking the time away to evolve is important for an artist, like have experiences other than being an artist those are the things that are going to help you get more creative be able to have more things to talk about like he's still talking about the same shit he was talking about two or three records ago mm -hmm. right you know what i mean so it's like at a certain point you don't want to really hear that um and you have to know it as an artist like you start going through the motions um yeah. so th that would be my take like and and it could be one of the things where a lot of the other guys in high row seem to have transitioned into getting older more gracefully because they all started doing other things. Like, right. right. Like some of them teach casuals and arch not casual. Um, Tajay's an architect. Like mm -hmm. they, they all started getting these other passions and that helps you as a creative. I think when you have other things that you're growing other parts of yourself, than rather just being like an, an MC, like that kind of can trap you into mm -hmm. being one dimensional. Such a great point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my my thing would be, it, and I say this a lot: take advantage of your natural resources. Right? Prince Paul has a beat on both sides of the brain. Prince Paul has is one of the best parts of Deltron Thirty Thirty, with these crazy skits that he did, which were amazing. Um, there's no reason why Del shouldn't have done a full album with Prince. Dell needed a collaborator to help him structure his narratives a little bit. I agree with that. Yeah. I was going to say something of like expand your, expand, 
his production and not just on the beats, but overall, like exactly what Dana was saying, like, which is why you said that 3030 is also, a, it's really an, an automator album, yeah. you know, because of how much you can tell he crafted that record, you know, but those, those, those beats are, uh, those beats are crazy. I mean, crazy. But I yeah, was, yeah, I was a yeah. huge fan of that album. Yep. Mm. But but yeah, both sides of the brain is is flat and strange. It has moments, but it really feels like the death of something. Uh, and it always has for me. That's not my new take. That's always how I felt, and I still feel like that. I revisited the album. I tried to make it good. Um. I mean, I, I just think, I mean, it's just hard. When I think about it, it's really hard as a rapper, it's really hard to have a career over 10 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe even even five years because, you know, as, and I think we've talked about this, Dano, before. Like, you know, hip-hop is the most lyrical form. Like, the, mo like the, whole, the whole genre is built on words. I mean, yes, there's beats, but for most hip hop artists, it's what it's what they're saying that it, that's what's going to sustain the song. Yeah, there's one hip hop song might have the lyrics of five metal songs, right? right? Just yeah. because you're just not going to be talking as much, right? And so, like, how Sorry, do you think of? After like, I mean, even after two or three albums, like, how do you come up with new words and more new ways, like new lyrics, new angles to explore? You have to right. consume, right? Like, because mm -hmm. if you're if you're just constant output, you're draining yourself of ideas. So you need to to read. Reading's huge, at least for me. Mm -hmm. I think reading is huge, like because that sort of brings you into the world of words but if you're if you're reading things that you know sort of whether it's like philosophical text whether it's science books history books or even just you know great fiction mm -hmm. you're you're sort of seeing the way that other great writers put words together right and, and that right. could like the phrasing that they use can really help with with sort of giving you new ideas and new ways to look at how you deliver your own words mm. and your phrasing. Um, listening to a lot of different music um, I think is real important, um, especially like folks that are, are good writers, good lyric writers. It doesn't necessarily have to be rap music, but if you, you sort of listen to how, how they structure things um, again, like to, to me, phrasing is a really important thing like that. I I've, over the last like 10 years, that's something I pay attention to more than anything in music, the way like people phrase things. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't really care about like styles anymore. Um, I mean, I care about it. I enjoy it, but it, it's more the way that somebody phrases something. Cause you, you could be really direct and kind of boring, but you could have creative ways of, of saying that. And you could, you could find that in every genre of music, like the sort of creativeness in the way that they phrase things. Um, but I, I think consuming things is is a way to really help you help you keep keep a fresh perspective 
Um, but you have to take that time, like not even really writing or anything during that time. Just like after you've, you've purged everything, you have to take stuff back in again and, and build it back up and sort of rejigger your, the way you think about things and, and stuff like that. You have to be really open to, to newness. And, and, and then to piggyback on that question, like what are some examples of some rap careers that you think have aged gracefully? Hmm. I, I mean, I think most deaf has aged pretty gracefully. Mm -hmm. um, and that's somebody that's not around all the time. Right. You know, um, Doom was a great example, but I think even Doom got to a point where he was kind of exhausting what he was doing. Um, who else is? I think Black Thought. Yeah, Black Thought's a great oh, example. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think Black Thought taking, taking the ownership of doing The Tonight Show yeah. was yep. is very much in line with what you're talking about. Yeah. Taking a step away, mm -hmm. not a step away, a step in a different direction, just completely in a different direction, still using his skills and also adding skills like the charisma it takes to be that kind of, you know, like when you're listening to a broadcast, you have the analyst and then you have the color guy, like yeah. that kind of presence and dynamic of being on talk show you know uh, i would say red and meth age pretty quickly yeah. i was just thinking especially meth yeah like meth as of late meth has been fucking killing shit killing yeah. shit yeah i mean it's the point you focus on other things yeah it allows more space for those things to bloom you know yeah Kind of like the, I always compare it to doing a crossword puzzle, you know? Yeah. You step away, you come back. Next thing you know, the answers are popping up. It's amazing. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's 100% the truth. So, yeah. I mean, and, and I would say, like, uh, to one of the people that's always going to be put against Dell uh, is Cool Keith. Like, I love Cool Keith because he's always Cool Keith. Yeah. Right. And, He's fearlessly moving forward however he wants. Um, and that's that's always been awesome. Um, I think one of the problems that Dell saw was, like, early on, he was weird because he didn't have a specific style that everybody knew. He wasn't mm -hmm. a punchline rapper. He wasn't uh, a gangster rapper. He wasn't a political rapper, Right. He wasn't necessarily a conscious rapper. He wasn't even necessarily an everyman rapper, right? He wasn't native tonguesian. He wasn't anything. He was people didn't know what to do with him. But then, as his influence grows at the end by two thousand, that's not that unique anymore. Yeah, and there see, are people doing that better. Huh? There are people doing what he does, but doing it better. Mm -hmm. And so now he's like, "What is my direction?" You know, uh, and we should do the Deltron thing now. My my Deltron thoughts is obviously uh, Doctor Octagon comes out is an enormous splash, and Cool Keith. I, I want to book him for the show. I love Cool Keith. He doesn't want 
anyone else getting more credit than him for a successful Pookie fight. So when Dan starts blowing up because of Dr. Octagon, he starts running him down, you know? Uh, and so that is Automator's revenge record, right? Automator's like, I got it. The beats are going to be better. You know, the themes are going to be even more flushed out. This is going to be some next shit. Uh, and he kind of teased Dell up to to kill these records. You know, I was thinking, it was like, if you can't sound good on virus or things you can do, you should just things find something do. else. You I know, mean, mastermind is a banger. I mean, and then like to find another just as quirky in his own way MC as Dell, as Cool Keith, but someone who can pull off rhyming over 30-30. Yep. I mean, when I first heard it, it has elements of, like, Ghost Rider on it. Well, like, when the big drops come, like... Mm -hmm. But that whole symphonic, operatic part where, you know, the, 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 the beat is crescendoing and escalating and he's just riffing on it i mean that and it's also like a nine minute song or like an eight minute song or something nope. um, when shout i first heard that i was like holy shit shout out to prince paul the fantabulous rap extravaganza paul barman on the cleophus randolph the patriarch mm -hmm. the skits are just weird bananas and hilarious um yeah so what is talk to me uh alaska your problems with deltron 3030 oh you're muted you're muted sorry i i hated this record from the first time i heard it Go for um it, I, had, I had friends that played it non-stop and it, it's just one of those things that just like grew into like a totem of hatred for me. Um, I, I don't like the beats at all. I don't like Dan Automator as a producer. Um, I hate the drums on this record. And and for me, drums are the biggest element of a rap record. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, it, it annoyed me from, from jump. And I, I went back to it and, you know, like I've had, I have had records like that in the past that I hated and I've come back to it and I'm like, Oh, I was really stupid. Um, this album was ahead of its time. And, and I tried to listen to it again for this. And I was like, I was getting so mad on the train. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's just one of those albums that just rubs me the wrong way from start to finish. Always has, um, you know, obviously like it resonates with a lot of people. So I don't want to like shit on it too hard, but it just never connected for me. And yep. um, yeah, it, it's sort of like, it was my point where I'm like, I'm not listening to Dell anymore. <laughs> it was like one of those records. It was like, it just mm. turned me off to the artists in general. Yeah, it's it's yeah, Dell is a hard artist to binge, I think. Like I was finding it like I was like, ooh, I love Dell, but I love coming back to Dell here and there. Yeah. I don't really I don't want to go on a Dell week where I'm listening to nothing but Dell. No. Um, no. I think one of the things with Dell is like you have your friends that are like that are like you've changed. Mm. Like that's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Dell never changed. 
Never. Yeah. Like he's still that same dude. And it's just like, all right, I've heard this album six times already. Yeah. I want to listen to another version of it. Yeah. And especially like there are parts of this record that I like. Like I like the record as a whole, but there are parts of it where the nonsensical stuff is just it goes overboard. Yeah. He's not making a lot of sense. No. Um and in relation to the binging part, the most enjoyable part of doing the research for this were the Hyro records for me. Or when there were a lot of when there was a lot of like um on No Need for Alarm when he has other guys from Hyro yeah. on when the the contextual persona and kind of just charisma that he has is shown by the fact that you're you have a reprieve from it like the the space away makes his presence that that much heavier and that much richer yeah that's a great point yeah hmm it's yeah no it's it those records they have a real bounce to them they, they the not just the beats but like bouncing from off people interactions whereas dell records sometimes don't have a perspective you know i guess i was thinking about like ta is always is always finding a new way to look at himself mm -hmm. right like a new perspective to look at himself. So he's never, he's not boring you if you're a Ka fan because you're like, oh shit, are we doing Norse mythology this time? What are we doing? Like, yeah. you're always doing something new. And Dell didn't really have that. He hadn't discovered angles that you could come at it from different angles. So by the time you, you get past both sides of the brain and 3030 he seems worn out yeah yeah and i mean steps away he steps away for years and years um on the ricky williams side of things uh steps away for years and years and goes to college studies music theory and uh from from Dell is the reason that I distrust people who study music theory <laughs> uh, because they, Alaska hates Deltron 3030. I enjoy Deltron 3030. I hate 11th Hour. Oof. 11th Hour is, a, is my sad moment as a Delphin. Because I waited. I was excited. I had the pre-order. And I was like, okay, now he's I, he had a documentary that he made about his off time, and I watched it. Uh, and I got the album, and I was like, this is so flat. Lifeless. Yeah. It's not the best. <laughs> like, if, if you make an album I hate, right? You're like, you, you remember that album, Kay, with that Common made with the Neptunes? Oh, you Universal control mind control something mind control Castro's favorite record it's is a terrible album but it is gloriously terrible it's like a street fighter movie you know uh <laughs> it's 
it's day glow awful um but it's fun right this like 11th hour is dead on its feet Oof. and that's yeah. that's I mean, my that's what hurts me about it. i remember scary. being in the jokes office when it came out and like nobody really being that excited about it like it should have been something more exciting but what was it that caused it to fall flat for you guys? Um, it felt like a paycheck. <laughs> you know, like, to me it did anyway. I don't know. It, it just didn't, like, there was nothing natural about it. It was almost like, here's Jux, and, you know, Jux was kind of, like, fading at that point. Yep. And Dell was fading at that point. So maybe they like kind of came together thinking if we bring like these two indie entities together, maybe it could spark something, but it really didn't. Like, I don't, I don't recall like anybody, like any of the artists at the label being like, holy shit, there's a new Dell record. Mm. And we're on the label with them. And it was just sort of like, yeah, whatever. I don't want to be unfair to 11th Hour. Do you have any any takes on that? That's year not a record I really listen to a lot. I, I don't have a lot. Mm. I don't have a lot of say on this one. Yeah, that's cool. No, to answer your question, Kay, for me, what defines the difference in the post music theory era is that Dell decided away from big samples. Big samples fun sounding songs that's not what he wanted he wanted like tones like kind of subtle tones uh that weren't fun at all uh that were kind of mathematically organized and so um i was just like oh this is you know and then and he would release you know the one after the 11th hour is called funk man and he was like you know leaning back in he's like i'm, I'm going funk again but it, there's no, there's none of the joy that was on Brother Joy, right? Yeah, it's it's very muted and very asleep. I mean, and somebody who was like, the industry was crumbling at that time, right? And yeah, yeah. sort of all the all the indie darlings were now sort of seen as an afterthought or like something that just needed to go away. It wasn't a fun time to be in that world in general. Like right. there was there was a lot more like fun hip hop coming out from other areas. Like I think everybody was sort of shell shock at that point. Like, you know, it seemed like something was gonna happen and nothing happened. And you know, it could be a it could be a victim of that time where it was just the end of a specific error was happening. I was trying to think of what what Hyro was doing as a label in 2008. Uh, where were they were? Uh, hmm. What's happening? Was Souls of Mischief still doing good? Oh, 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 that was Montezuma's Revenge is 2009. Yeah. One of my favorite, one of my favorites of theirs. Yeah. Yeah, they I mean, Hyro released a record called Overtime, which I don't know anything about. 
yeah, compilation, I guess. But yeah, yeah. it w- they were definitely slowing down. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's definitely hard to keep an independent label, you know, hype and solid uh, for a, a long period of time. Um, and they had definitely made their mark, but yeah, you see, sound- kind of by that time there was like. There was a long period between releases for like the groups there. Like, yep, yep, yep. Souls of Mischief did Focus in '98, Montezuma's Revenge in um, 2000. I guess they did Trilogy in 2000, Montezuma's Revenge in 2009, and then There's Only Now in 2014. Whereas Dell was still trying to pump shit out like every year. Mm. Yeah, and I think. The part of the you know the challenge they had was since they were a crew, and they didn't just fold people in randomly, they they had to keep pumping stuff out, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and so and from, yeah, Guapoli yeah. got jumped in jumped in there and and did some stuff for them, and uh, but they didn't really bring in a lot of new people no. the way these other labels were doing it. I mean, he dropped an album every year from 2008 to 2014. Okay. And I can't think of any, I don't think I've heard any of them. Well, yeah, everything we've been talking about is, you know, up until 3030. So there's as many albums afterwards as there were before. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's kind of shocking to see that. Like there was this run of records that nobody talks about. Yeah. 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 It, it, well, the invisible albums like these cannabis albums, right? There's like yeah. a million cannabis albums and no one's really heard them. Um uh, yeah, I mean I I think I've heard some of those albums. I remember listening to Iller Than Most. Uh I remember I mean I certainly heard Funk Man Stimulus Package. I didn't I didn't give up hope. Uh, <laughs> but it was hard. It became very hard. Yeah, uh, because yeah, he just became a rapper that raps about rapping. Yeah, but I mean, he also had like label records that like was the one he had with uh, Tame One. Yeah, 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 the Parallel Thought album that he had with Tame One. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had the record with Amp Live. He had a record with Cool Keith. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, these you forget that these happen, right? Like, yeah, it, they're like movies on on buried in Amazon Prime. You know, you're like, oh, that's yeah. a, what was the thing? Um, and that that's a a weird spot. And I think one of the legacies was like you have to be in charge of setting up your own infrastructure. Yeah, but you have to have a system of delivery, and that's why. You see the news where like Woods is going to hit Billboard number one, you know, uh, with maps. It's unbelievable. Um, it's unbelievable. believable. Yeah, yeah, so cool. It's unfucking believable. Yeah. Um, and but he did it by building his infrastructure. Yeah. He knows yeah. all the pieces, right? Yeah. Uh, and he knows who he can rely on, and he has, you know, he's he's smartly grown his group and, and evolved. Uh, and if you stop doing that, you're 
you're gonna you're you're limiting your time. Yeah. Yeah. So the the legacy for Dell is is definitely mixed in that sense. Yeah, uh, I mean yeah. he's he's more important than most people in yeah. this industry. But like most people in this industry, there's a, a long descent into I don't know. I don't want to even say descent like that kind of discounts him. But it's it's a long a long haul between like the great moments. Right. You know, hopefully there'll be more to come. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean the the last question I would have before we go to recommendation corner. Alaska, do you have where do you where do you have Dell in your favorite best or favorite MCs all time? Where, how can you rank someone with this many different eras and and like, where, where do you place this person? I mean, I don't know if I can place him. Like, I, I can't really think of where I would place him, but I can say this about him. He created a record over 30 years ago that I still listen to regularly, mm. which is a lot more than most artists than I can say about most artists, right? I mean, he's not going to be in my top five, top 10, top no. 15, top 20 even, but his record is no need for, I mean, um, I wish my brother George for here was here is in my top 10 records of all time. Like I love that record. I'll always love that record. It has a special place in my heart. Um, and it's a really important record to me. So like he, he did something for a young kid growing up in the middle of nowhere that introduced me, like gave me the, the courage to sort of step out and try to tell my own story um, with mixed, mixed results and <laughs> limited <laughs> success. But um, you know, it's, he made, he made something timeless to me and yep. that, that deserves all the respect in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Canyons, he's always moving up and down my best MCs list. Yeah. Because if you have the one criteria where you say he's got more bad albums than makes any sense. Yeah. Right? You can definitely move him down. But if you're you're like at his best, yeah. One of the most unique MCs that ever lit. Yeah. I, I will give it to you like this, right? Like a sports reference for you. Mm. Braylon Edwards is not a great white like you wouldn't put him in your top hundred wide receivers, but for me. The two years that he had with the Jets were two of the most fun years of my my Jets fandom. So, you know, I kind of like look at Dell that way. Like, I'm not going to put him in the in the best best ever by any means, but the couple of years that I really did enjoy him, I enjoyed him more than I've enjoyed a lot of rappers or other musicians throughout the history of my time. His highlights are golden. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it just the way you're saying it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put him on a list for me. Um, but what stood out for me was, you know, the role he played in Hyro and just his, and it's, it sounds like kind of cliche to say it cause it's in his name, but like he owned the funkiness of his yep. 
persona and style he owned it like it was very very brash and he didn't give a shit and it was very clear that you know he understood that about himself i mean brother george is a very funky jazzy record um and his off kilterness in terms of like how quickly he was able to quickly and seamlessly and sometimes not so seamlessly but when it worked at at his best the way he was able to flip rhyme schemes and cadences is unbelievable yeah it, it, it like for me at his prime hearing how nimble and dexterous he was as a writer and a performer cuz yep you know you have to think of this shit and then you have to be able to spit it um really really like the highlights were really really high yeah no okay to your point when you talked about him sounding sincere right i think one of his strengths was he always made you meet him where he was there were plenty of mcs who were like put they were changing who they were from record to record so that they could greet a bigger audience Right, uh, change their flow, change you know. Look, you think of MC Hammer going hardcore, you know all this stuff. Um, people were changing to survive the market, and Dell was like, "Meet me over here, mine." You know, we're gonna talk the way I want to talk, um, and that was profound at that time. Yeah, it changed a lot of people's perspectives. Yeah. Any other final thoughts before we go to recommendation corner? No, we're gonna we're gonna share some stuff. I I am late on this. I've got a late pass ready because I I have been sleeping on this 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 team. Uh, but this album is my jam. It's Battery by Sacco and Vanzetti, mm. and they put out a yeah, lot. Well loved. This battery album is fun as shit. I really love it. So, uh, Alaska, were you on? Were you on a record of theirs a little bit ago? Or? I was. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. they do really good shit. The other one that, yeah. the other one that I have that that have heard, it hasn't come out yet, but it's the old Great God and Big Flowers album. I turned the room to a lava lamp. Uh, Old Grape Guy is awesome. And he's never really rapped on soul sample based like beats before. He's always been making like kind of dance music inspired hip hop beats. Nice. And just rapping on him. So this is his first time doing that. And, and Big Flowers is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really good album. Really fun. Uh, Grape Guy is awesome. So when that comes out. Do the pre-order now. The singles are up and they're dope. Nice. It's a real step forward. They work hard on it. So that that's I think those will be my two. Okay. Oh, obviously, people should listen to Young Morpheus constantly, like I do, and just enjoy that as well. Um, Alaska, what are you bumping? Um, I've been bumping a lot of the Comet is coming. 
Yeah, it's it's a cool sort of like jazz psych rock band out of the UK, um, which is headed up by um, Shabaka Hutchins, mm -hmm. um, who was um, part like he's done shit with Woods in the past, um, and it, it's like him, this dude Dan Levers, and uh, a guy Max Hallett. Um, but they're out of the UK, out of like the UK jazz scene. It's just like sort of crazy aggressive psych jazz. Um, so yeah, their their albums are pretty dope. Uh, and then I, I mean, I haven't been listening to like a lot of new stuff. I've been kind of stuck on this like really schlocky 1980s pop <laughs> pop playlist I made. So like a lot of like foreigner waiting for a girl like you. Yep, <laughs> like yep, yep. Um, so yeah, I've been listening to a lot of that lately. I could share the link if anybody wants access to it. I could give it to do you it. and put it in the notes. Do it. No, yeah, do it up. Do it up. That's Absolutely. For, for a nice light drive. Yeah, it's yeah, good man. stuff. A lot yeah. of like REO Speedwagon and things like all that. All right, all right. Yeah. That's awesome. Henry, what have you, you been rocking with? I mean, I've been bumping maps a lot. Oh, maps. Yes. Um, which made me go back to hiding places. Mm. Um, which, you know, the, the contrast and kind of just what they're, what they were able to do in each of the projects, but also in respect to one of another, to each other. I mean, they're, they're both incredible. They're both incredible. And I think, um, for me, Woods is always... His writing is the constant. Yeah. His narrative, yeah. it's always the constant. It's always, you you know you're going to get an amazing Woods performance. <laughs> um, the beatscape that Kenny provided is completely different than Hiding Places. And I think Woods is always down for a challenge, man. Like down yeah. to challenge himself to the things that he he knows he can be different on. I forget the name of the song, but he raps over like a straight up jazz record. Yeah, that like song's super dope. With a, like a swinging ride symbol. That's like yep. he doesn't Woods. I haven't heard Woods do that, and I've been listening to Woods since '05. Like he, he, you know. Um, so I've been listening to that, and then ever since Daylight came out on DSPs, I've been listening a lot to. Uh, Balloon Mind State. Oh, and, then, a good record. and then Stakes is High. And before oh, the release of all this, I was always like a Stakes is High guy. Oh, yeah, me too. And I think I might take a step back on that. Yeah, I, and it's Alaska's fault. Like Alaska on <laughs> call-out culture has been championing, championing Balloon Mind State. And so I dug up, I had the save versions when they leaked it all. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed my balloon mind state and was like, "Fuck, it's perfect record." It's perfect. I agree, and I think the thing for it that made me appreciate it more now is that the songs that aren't the hits are stronger songs that the songs aren't the hits on Stakes Is High. Yeah, like the media, yeah. the meteor parts of the record that aren't like um, Big Brother B. Dog Eat Dog, Stakes is High, uh, the last one's Sunshine on the album. Yep. Like, those 
and there are a few others that I'm missing out, but those are like the big songs on the record. But the like middle songs in the in Balloon Mind State that aren't like the the marquee pieces. Yeah. They transition so beautifully into the marquee pieces. Mm-hmm. Like the ride doesn't stop. Um yeah. And I mean, if you if I had to pick one instrumental track that was just in the middle of a rap album, it would probably be I'd be blowing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd be blowing is just beautiful. Yeah. Um just beautiful. And then they repurposed it like the way that they then reuse it like for IMIB, like, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. like I mean Pasta's verse on IMIP might be like it could potentially you could put it in the argument for the greatest rap verse of all time. Yeah, I mean I think that song is like the stakes is high. That that's yeah. the stakes is high of that record in terms yep. of like the production of the beat the verses and also what the song means you know how it hits you where it's like dude these guys are philosophizing yeah right right (laughs) you know like they're not just rap they're rapping their asses off but they're like this is universal truth yeah (laughs) shit um so yeah that's what that's what i've been bumping i love that that's awesome and to the woods thing one of the things that I think makes Woods one of the best rappers who ever lived is that he's able to create separate relationships with separate producers uh, and and push each of those relationships in different directions. So you can go from church to maps, you know, uh, and, and it's you can go in these completely different directions. And, you know, Haram sounds different. You know, everything really sounds different. Because he's he's really putting these directions together uh, so that they're in completely different places. And yeah. even if he does another album, it'll be totally different because the relationship will grow. Mm. The last thing on was if you go back, even with like most of his records are one producer albums. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now where he's at, who are his collaborators and network of collaborators? What would a Woods mixed bag producer album be like? Wow. Like, like Shrines. Yeah. But now, fast forward having the Alchemist, fast forward having, you know, all the yeah. all the people he's in relationships and collaborations that he's killed it on in the last three and a half years since shrines yeah on the solo record would be so you like, get like, my mind goes like you would get way. like two preservation beats two alchemist beats you would you'd have two fanon beats you'd have like this just this crazy mix of the most elite people that would be something else um yeah that would be wild um but it, by the way Kay, before before we go i just had to say my son came home from school. He said we studied the band Queen in music class. Oh wow! Uh, and he said, you know, I saw a video, and I said, Freddie Freddie Mercury dresses how my daddy dresses around the house. <laughs> there you go. 
think I think that like, might mean it's time to grow out the mustache then. He's like, you're always wearing these crazy outfits around the house. I'm like, what am I doing? Uh, but yeah, he's cracking on me. So I appreciate it, and I, I'm excited for him to learn more about all these interesting bands. Uh, yeah, my my friend was calling me before we started because a bunch of these people are crashing the local school budget meeting trying to mess with the school budget because they don't want the kids to read books in the school or whatever whatever um and you we you got to fight them you got to fight them you can't be nice to them you can't be you got to fight them yeah. you got to fight them on this you got to protect art you got to protect schools you got to protect teachers uh, we got to do it the time to be nice is over. So um, that's what I would say there. But yeah. Put your foot on the next. Put your foot. Stupid. What will tomorrow bring?